This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That To be joined on Football CFB by Darren Jackson, former Scotland international, Celtic, Hibernian, Hearts, Dundee United, Newcastle, amongst a few others. Darren, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. The, the first thing I want to talk about is your venture at the moment outside of football, uh, main event transfers. I recently spoke to Alistair Campbell and, and he was telling me how you picked him up from from Newcastle, and he was saying, oh, Darren Jackson, he said, lovely man, he said, but we played a charity match, he said, and he terrorised me, he said, it was the worst game I've ever played, he's a nightmare. <laughs> really, really good guy, Alistair, and it's, um, uh, when I, I, got offered the, I got offered the job, it was through the SFA, because he was doing something for the pro licence, and, um, and, and I didn't want to mention it at the time, and it was, um, the, the guy who organised it, uh, Greg, it was his PA. I, I spoke to her. She says, Alistair is happy for you to pick him, pick him up as long as you don't mention the game. <laughs> and I thought, I wasn't going to mention the game anyway, but no, it was a great game to play in. It was a, a Scotland select from Euro 96 against, do you, know the, do you know the Robbie Williams game that they put on every year? Soccer Aid. Soccer Aid, well, yes. It was a, it was a warm-up for the rest of the world and Alistair played left back and I played right wing and I says to him I, I would have probably been sold for £50 million after that game <laughs> thanks to you <laughs> but no really I mean <clears throat> really humble guy really I mean obviously you know him really good guy yeah, so he, as I say he was, he, was, he was not short in telling me all about the match and how he said you think you're a decent enough player and then you come up against a professional and you think Absolutely not. In terms of the transfers, he's luckily only came up against me because there was a right few good players playing that day. Obviously, on his side as well, there was Zola and Foye and um, Hulet. I think Hulet was playing, so he was lucky he only came up against me. <laughs> in terms of the transfers, you've that's a business that you've got that's doing really well. And in terms of guests you've had in the car, what's it like going from? from obviously being a footballer, playing on the pitch to sometimes chauffeuring the footballers around now? Yeah, well, it is. I, I had a, a company like this um, about 12, 13 years ago with my sister and brother-in-law and just when I left St Mirren, thought, what am I going to do? I'd kind of fallen out of love with the, the game a little bit and what am I going to do? And we thought, I thought about going back to this and people like luxury now, um, footballers like luxury, but in general, in life, people like something a little bit different and it is a little bit different um, and the people that I've had through my contacts in football it's been great I've, um, I've had a lot of good a lot of the players um, but Capello and Neymar's dad the, 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 two, the two biggest probably the two biggest ones I've, I've had and Fabio Neymar's dad was very he, he doesn't speak a lot of English so he was fine but very polite very nice 
but uh, Fabio Capello was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. And, and I obviously asked to get a, a picture taken with him for the, web, the website. And, um, and he was like that, come on, we'll get, a, we'll get a selfie outside. And he was cuddling and all that. And I didn't put that on because it looks as though I've probably asked him. It's not very professional. But he actually grabbed me. He says, come on, we'll get us. He was brilliant. Him and his wife, I picked, dropped, picked them up at the airport and then dropped them off and then picked them up the next day. And he couldn't have been any nicer. And listen, that's, you expect that from people. You, he, he, knew, he knew I had played um, and we had a good wee conversation. I always say what happens in the car stays in the car because it's trust. You know what I mean? So I don't go about shouting and bawling. Um, but we did have a little conversation about Paolo Di Canio, as he had managed them and I'd played with Paolo and all that. So he, he, he told me a couple of good, funny stories about Paolo. Um, so it's great. Um, as I said, I've had Hearts boys, Hibs boys, Rangers, Celtic boys in the car. And um, they've all been brand new with me. They've all been great. Um, and I think they enjoy it. It's a lot of, it is luxury. It's, it's really nice. They enjoy sitting in the back and everyone... Everyone likes getting chauffeured about, don't they? Well, that's very true. And something else you do a lot of um, as well is punditry. Now, I'm not going to ask you about the current situation because that's been spoken about here, there and everywhere. But see, being a pundit, having been a player, what's the difference? Because obviously when you were playing, you would have had pundits and you'd have thought, I'm going to prove him wrong. So how has it been on the other side? Listen, it's 100% right. I mean, you used to say you liked... You obviously liked it when people said nice things about you, but when people have a, a sort of, a, no, I didn't think he had that good a game today, and you thought, oh, I thought I played all right, what's he? But listen, it's all about opinions. Everything in life's about opinions, and, and everyone has an opinion on football, whether it's good or bad. Um, you, you, you always, you just try and be truthful. You, I, I don't never, I never ever, I never try and be controversial just to throw things in, just to upset someone or um, upset a team or anything like that. You just try and be as truthful as you can. And at, and at times, as a pundit, you are going to upset people because no everybody's going to like what you're going to say. So, But, as I said, the one thing I do try and be is, is, is truthful. You mentioned the, the truth being very important, especially in football punditry. I completely agree. And to rewind now back to your playing career, you started at Meadowbank Thistle and you were also part-time as a printer at the time. I mean, what was that like getting into football and having a job alongside it? Well, it was actually it was actually okay. I mean, through school and I just wanted to be a football player. I mean, um, but it was actually great because my work was right across the road from Meadowbank. So I used to work overtime on a Tuesday and Thursday and then just go over to train. And it was... Um, Meadowbank was just amazing and people are, people always ask me and I don't know if you're going to ask this question later on in the, the interview what's your what's the favourite club you, you were at and I can honestly swear my, my hand in my heart that I don't have a favourite one because every club and this isn't this isn't mean them as a club but just from my point of view I finished with St, my last year was St Johnston and Clyde Bank and I was finished by then. My, I was actually, my, done, my back was done. I was done. I should never have gone and played the last year. So it was, I thought I'd, I thought I'd still had something to offer. But once I started 
playing with St. Johnson. I, I struggled. And that, the St. Johnson fans, I think, always gave me stick for that. And they were rightly so. Um, I thought I did okay, but I, I, was, I, was, I was done by then. But the rest of the clubs that I played at were brilliant clubs. And the one I, I couldn't have asked for a better start at Meadowbank with Terry Christie, who was actually my deputy headmaster at my school um, a few years before, obviously. And, but the, the players that, that I played with, and I, I could go through the, all of them, but we've not got time, but they were just... Alan Lawrence and I were like the wee brothers. They looked after us like brothers. And because they were all experienced, all a wee bit older, and they were just, they were just absolutely brilliant. And um, if I'm truthful, when I, the first probably month, six weeks, eight weeks, I went down to Newcastle, I wanted to come back. And I was playing. I wanted to come back to Meadowbank because I missed it that much. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and in terms of Meadowbank, when you were there, the thing that I always think, you mentioned the fact you're part-time, you're working the overtime, but you were buying goals in, over 20 goals in your debut season. I mean, how, how special was that? It was great. <coughs> Excuse me. As I say, it was every, every single bit I, I loved about Meadowbank. It was, it was fantastic. And I, and I always I tell a story. I don't think it would, well, I'm almost sure it wouldn't happen now. My last game for Meadowbank was at Station Park against Cowden Beath. And the following week, I was playing for Newcastle against Arsenal at St. James's. <laughs> wow. So, I, as I say, I don't, I was sub, but I went on, it was Tony Adams, it was the, the big boys, do you know what I mean? It was, um, so, that was, I'd never been to St. James's Park um, before the game. I'd never been there. So, and I got there, Peter Beersley took me, and this is, the, again, Peter Beersley took me about the stadium and showed me the stadium a little bit. And then we went into the team talk and the whole team talk was about Gaza. And I'm thinking, I never had a, I never had a clue who he was. I'm thinking, who is this boy? And he, like Gaza, was, I was 19, he was 18. And I mean, the, 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 the Beardsleys and the Glen Roders and the Kenny Whartons, John Andersons and Neil McDonald. And I'm thinking, who is this boy? And wow. <laughs> From the first game, it was just wow. Just what, played. He, he what, just played. Sorry. What was he like as, a, as a, a player at that young age? Because we all, we all know what he's developed into, but even at that age, as he sit from the first game, just how special a talent was he? He was just, he was just on another level. And, and at, nine, at 18, he was on another level. He just, he played the game as though he was playing in the park with his pals. And did the players get upset with him sometimes because he would try things. And we weren't a team that, that were at the top of the league. So we kind of had to watch, but he was just, and I wasn't going on to Gaza, I was just going on the way it happened with my move from Newcastle. But uh, from day one, I knew he was a genius. You mentioned the fact that you go from playing at, at Cowden Beath to, to playing against Arsenal. I mean, Newcastle is a club, when they were interested, how special was that for you and your family? I just, I just got the call, it was just incredible. I just got the call from Terry Christie. Like that must have been, I played on the Saturday. It must, I think it must have been the Tuesday. I, got, I actually got called up to the Scotland under-21s um, by Craig Brown. That, that day and that night, I got the call from Terry. They were driving down to Coldstream, you're signing for Newcastle. So we drove down to one of the, the director's house, Mr. Fogg's house. 
um, down at Coldstream and I, I signed that night and it was just, um, that was me. I had to, had to actually work a couple of days before I could go back down. And, um, but I enjoyed, listen, I enjoyed my work. And actually, I always wanted to be a footballer, don't get me wrong. But I actually enjoyed my work. It was brilliant. George Stewart's was magic to work at, great people, and going right across the road and, and just playing football for what you love with people that just looked after you and were, were tremendous. And then uh, you always want to start like I had trials with hips and hearts and then um, I got turned down, which was fine. That's people's opinions. I don't have, but in hindsight, I'm so happy I got turned down. So I started the middle bank and I started at the bottom and I got a kind of, I was working in a, and I'm not saying people don't appreciate, but you obviously at that, that level, you kind of appreciate a wee bit more because you know how hard it is. I was getting up at six in the morning getting shower changed, walking to work, um, training, uh, sorry, work, walking to work, doing your work, working overtime, going over to train, then back home up in the morning again. So I, I appreciated the opportunity I was going to get, but it was uh, some opportunity in Newcastle. You mentioned the fact the first game's against Arsenal. I mean, see when you come onto the pitch and you're playing against the likes of Adams and these big names, what was that like for you? Because people often forget you won a penalty as well. Well, no, I got brought, I got, I got brought down for a penalty, and we never got it. I mean, I was just like, I'd, I've never been one that's been heavy or anything. I was ten stone then, and I'm going on that pitch with spindle legs, and I'm, I'm the skinniest boy there. And they, the Arsenal boys must have been thinking, is this one of the youth team, the under fifteen players? They must have been looking and saying. But the manager obviously had confidence in me that they had seen me enough and watched me enough that I can go on the pitch. And I didn't feel, I didn't really do anything much in the game, but I just went on and, uh, how could you not enjoy it? Do you know what I mean? There's, you're, you're playing at Cowden and Beef in front of maybe 300 people, and then you're playing in front of 30,000 uh, incredibly mad, loyal fans, incredible fans. And it was just... It was, as, as every young boy say, that it's a dream, it was a dream come true. When you scored your first goal for Newcastle, just how special a moment was that, as you mentioned, playing at Cowden Beath and then scoring down there? It must have been an incredible feeling. Yeah, well, my first goal was against West Ham at home. Peter Beasley, brilliant. I mean, another, another genius. Um, he, he, he went past about three or four players, got to the byline and cut it back. And... I've not really struck it that well, but I've struck it and it's, it's gone in and you're just, you're, the, the Gallag- it was right at the Gallagate end and the Gallagate were going mental and you just, not until you come off and you think, wow. And so it was just, um, as I say, it's, uh, it was every boy's, boy's dream. We, had a, we played a lot of young players, Willie McFall, I mean, Neil McDonald, Paul Stevenson, Ian Bogey, Gaza, Michael O'Neill. I mean, an awful lot of young players. Um, so it was uh, an experience once again, Glenn Roder, John Anderson, Peter Beardsley, Kenny Wharton, Dave McCreary, who came up to Hearts, and Paul Goddard, who was an un- a fantastic player as well. Um, so it was just big Tony Cunningham, um, Ian Stewart, Ian Stewart, who was the, the winger for Northern Ireland. I got really pally with Stewie and... Um, it was just a, you had a great squad, a brilliant squad. So it was good for the young kids that you had that experience as well. 
when we talked about Gaza, I've got to ask you, you were a good friend of his. What stories have you got about Gaza? Who's this going out to? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I can I can just there's there's loads of, there's obviously loads of stories. He was just I'm not kidding. If you hear if you hear people who don't know him, you they'll be the ones who have a go at him. People that know Gaza, I will have never seen anybody in the paper that has played with them or has been friends with them have ever had a go because he was a boy who had the biggest heart in the world. He just wanted to make everybody happy. Um, and obviously the way things have happened, it's been hard since, since he stopped playing football and all that. But as a footballer, he was just, I mean, it's, gone, it's done now, but one day in, in training, he, he zoomed past, he had a wee mini to start, zoomed past out the training ground. And, and I think that was my Monday after my first game on the Saturday. And I was, I was standing with the manager. The manager says, I said, Gaz is going a bit fast there, eh? He says, I know. He's not even past his test yet. <laughs> um, all right, okay then. <laughs> so it was just, and he just used to come into training every day and I had a smile on his face and it was just, this, he couldn't wait. He actually couldn't wait to get into training, get his shorts, his boots on and just go out and play football. And as I say, he was just a boy who, like us all, like it, like all footballers, you all have that. I just want to go on that training pitch and play football. And that that was him, just a, a daft boy who um, had a special talent. Special talent, special players in that team. You're there yourself on merit. Let's not forget that you earn the move there. You're playing games. Overall, how do you reflect on your time at Newcastle? It was amazing. Uh, it was it was fantastic. I mean. <laughs> I was at I was I was at a match. I'd been invited to hospitality. I'll, I'll not say who, but um, I was invited, and the the host that says, "Well, you had your time at Newcastle. Did it, it mustn't have gone too well because you came back up the road." And I just said, "Well, I played eighty four games in two years, <laughs> and I was nineteen, playing in the top flight in England. So I did okay. Um, I just." And this is, an, this is a true story. Jim Smith came in, um, who has sadly passed away, who was, he was a very, very good man, really nice man. And he just actually said, Dan, they didn't have the money then. They didn't have the money that they obviously they have now. He says, for me to buy and to sell. And, he says, and I think he, he was good pals with Jim McLean. And Jim McLean always liked me. And um, he says, for me to buy, if, uh, I've, I've got to sell. And I'm fortunate I can get money for you. And I probably dived into it. I probably just, I just said to him, fine, that's no bother. I didn't have any issues and all that. Um, seemingly after it, he had turned around and said, he had said, I wish you hadn't sold me. But I mean, as I say, I went up to Dundee United. And, but I look on my time in Newcastle. I was down there last year for the Huddersfield game. And there, was, there were still people there that were there when I was there. And I, I hadn't been back. And I can actually remember signing for Dundee United. And I went down. Um, and this is, I went down for the Newcastle Christmas night out and it was the, it was the day of the Lockerbie disaster. I was sitting in Albert Craig's house and we, they turned the telly on it, just uh, obviously showing you what, what had happened. So we had gone out and I, I went back and I drove past the stadium 
um, before I left the following morning after the night, and I drove past it, and um, I'm quite an, emotion, an emotional person, and I did, I got really emotional leaving, because it was just a place that was, the fans were just incredible. They were just, and I think because it's so near Scotland, that they take to the Scots, they like the Scots, and um, they took to me incredibly well, and treated me unbelievably well, and so did the club, and it will always be a huge, huge part of me. You leave um, Newcastle, you come back up the road to Dundee United, um, a spell where the club gets to a Scottish Cup final, you finish as top scorer um, for the club during your time there as well. I mean, just just sum up your time at Dundee United and, of course, Jim McLean. <laughs> well, it wasn't the greatest start because I broke my ankle after four minutes on my debut. Um, my big pal, Derek White, playing for Celtic, we both went into a tackle. And um, he got 17 stitches down his leg and um, I, went, oh, I went off struggling with my ankle and then just thought it was okay. I was, I'll battle through the next few weeks and um, the physio was trying to treat it and I was saying it's okay and they're saying it, didn't, it doesn't look okay. And so eventually I got sent for the next train. It was broken. So that was me out for the season. Um, and I can always remember, and I'm still friends with a lot of the boys up at Dundee United, and he says, can you remember your first game back? It was pre-season at Brecon. And I'd been out, I mean, this was December the 22nd was my, my debut. So I'd been out since then, December, this is the August, the first game pre-season. And he came at half-time and absolutely annihilated me for my performance. <laughs> the boys were just sitting looking and thinking, He's been at seven months injured. <laughs> but that was Jim. He just, he, I loved it. I loved it under him. Yes, he was a hard man. I mean, ruthless sometimes. Some of the things he used to say to people. But there's no doubt he made me a better player. Um, I loved my time up at, I loved the boys up there. Because <clears throat> we had an incredible team spirit. Because if you played for Dundee United, you had to live up there. So when you had a night out, everybody was there. Everybody got, like, Jim, Jim McLean was hard with everybody. Whether you were negative, um, Neri, Malpass, whoever, everybody got the same treatment. So everyone was in the same boat. And um, as I say, it was three and a half years. The biggest disappointment was probably losing the Scottish Cup final to Motherwell, which I think we were not on the, I don't mean on the day, we weren't the better side. It could have gone either way. Yes, I think the, the, the referee made a mistake with the last goal. I, did, I do think it was a foul, but it's done now. Um, but talking about me, Jim, fantastic coach. Um, probably not great at man management, <laughs> but, but um, he made me a better player. And I love, as I say, I love my time up there. Did Jim ever try and put you on one of his mental eight-year contracts? No, no. Well, see, I was lucky. I was, I was bought in. So... Um, I did have a real hassle with him at the end when my contract was running out and I was going to go to Hibs. He was trying to get me to sign a new contract and all that. And um, yeah, I, I, got, I was in the office a few times and I got his, the, the tongue lashing, but you just had to be strong and he knew he was under a bit of pressure. He couldn't get me on the, the real long-term contract that the rest of the boys were on. Um, but as I say, I would never say a bad word against them. He was... He was great to work for because he knew the game. And I used to, I always used to think, 
Nobody ever goes to the papers after Leighton United and really, really slaughter them. And that was because, in most things he said in football terms, he was right. He was, he was 100% right. And he knew the game inside out. And um, um, But at times, I think with other players and mostly all the players, he could have gone about it, probably handled it in a, be- a better way. But that was, that was just him. And um, you just knew, I think it sticks with you that if you gave the ball away, you used to go absolutely mad. So that stuck with you, even as a coach, don't give the ball away. Try not, try not give the ball away. Um, so he was great. He was, he, was, he was a hard, hard taskmaster, master, but a great man to work for. In terms of that Scottish Cup final, before we go on to Hibs, it's been replayed 105 million times recently, which must must frustrate you. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't use pride because obviously you were on the losing side. But to score in that final, and to, let's be honest, it's regarded by many as the greatest ever Scottish Cup final. What does How does that make you feel? <laughs> well, people say to me, well, what a great final. I said, was it? I lost... Um, I, I lost, I broke my wrist and I got sent off. So really, not really a great final for me. But people look upon it. I, I recorded it. I couldn't really watch it. I watched my goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but four of us got sent off after the game. We had to go with the referee. Um, Jim McLean wasn't too happy about that either because the club got fined for every player that was sent off. So four years. <laughs> so uh, it was... It was a great final, obviously. The sad thing was that Jim McLean and Tommy had lost their dad um, the week off the final. He was buried, he, his funeral was a week off. The, I think it might have been the Thursday or the Friday before the Saturday. So it was sad and you could see the tension on, Jim, on Jim's face. Um, so, but it probably just made it. There was two brothers that were in the final um, and obviously one's got to win him. They got the break and they won it and it was probably the biggest disappointment and I, I would like to kind of if you if I was giving advice to kids saying always if you get the chance to play in a cup final always play it as though it was your last because that was my one and only Scottish Cup final. Absolutely well as you say you play it like it's your last because you never know when it'll come about. Great advice there, and <clears throat> pardon me, um, but I think the, the move to Hibs is an interesting one because Dundee United are a big club, Hibs are a big club as well. Going on to, to joining them, how would you describe that spell at the club? Because you played well over 100 games, scored over 50 goals, and got to another cup final, albeit the League Cup this time. Yeah, great times. Alec Muller again, fantastic coach. He had tried to sign me from Newcastle, um, when Dundee United were in, but obviously I went to Dundee United and um, Alec was brilliant. I'd, I had four brilliant years out of the five. My second year, um, I totally, and I can hold my hands up, I let myself down. I, I was booked more than I scored goals and I just got myself involved that year and it totally affected my football. But the other four years were brilliant. Again, great staff. Great club, Doogie Chrome, who was a fantastic chairman. Um, but the players were brilliant. I still keep in touch with a lot of the players. And there were the players 
were great. And that's why I said to you at, at the beginning when people asked me about well, who's your favourite club you played for, I had amazing team spirit at every club I played at. And that plays a, a, a huge part in whether you enjoyed your time at a club. The team spirit was brilliant at Hibs. Um, and we had, we had good players as well. I thought Alec Muller used to get a little bit stick off the Hibs fans. He's too t- defensive. And yes, Alec was very thorough because he always used to say to us pre-season, if you're fit and organised, you've got a chance. And that's, that's true. Um, when, you're a, when you're a club like Hibs, you've got to be you've got to be fit and you've got to be organised and you're hoping the players that you've got are just going to be more special than, than other clubs. And we did have the crunchy with Michael. Uh, Keith Wright scored goals. Pat McGinley scored a lot of goals for midfield. Mickey Weir, Gareth, do you know what I mean? So, and it's um, probably missing people out. Um, but he, he had an attacking team. I mean, at, at one time, they'd be, the midfield would be Kevin McAllister, Pat McGinley, Brian, Brian Hamilton, Michael O'Neill and Keith Wright. Now, you couldn't really say that's a defensive team. You know what I mean? <laughs> Apart from Hammy. So, um, so Alec was great, and it was it was it was a really good a really good five years. The last year, obviously, Alec Alec left, and Jim came in, and we were struggling a wee bit. But thankfully, um, we survived in the playoffs. Um, Celtic had made a bid. Um, that Tommy Burns had made a bid that that just before the end of the season, and it was rejected. I think because we were in the playoffs, and so um, but that was I just took that. It was fine. Um, and we survived the playoffs against Airdrie, and it was a, it was um, two good games, two great games, um, and we had two great games, obviously, because we won them. It wouldn't have been great if we'd lost them, but um, we did really well. So that was a good magic time it had. I'm going to come to the Derby question later when we get to Hearts for obvious reasons, because I think it will be better in context then. But you're doing well at Hibs. You're scoring goals regularly. You're a mainstay in that team. When Celtic come calling for you, is that just the pinnacle of any player playing in Scotland when one of the old firm come calling? Of course it is. I mean, the biggest thing that I was 31, I thought I'd gone. I mean, I didn't get my first cap, Scotland cap, till I was 28. Because I was, I was in, like, I used to think to myself, I'm not getting a chance and all that. But when you do get a little bit older, I wasn't consistent enough. And, and especially for international football, you need to be consistent. You, you can't turn up. Oh, he's not, he's not having a great. He's not having a great time just now. You, you've got to be spot on, especially in international football. So I, I get why it took so long to get my first cap. But my move to Celtic, as I said, they came in. Tommy Burns came in and made a bid, and it was rejected. And I handled it. It was fine. I was obviously disappointed because you do want to get to. And Hibs, as I say, no disrespect, Hibs is a great club, but you do want to try and get to the top and try and win, win trophies consistently. And um, so they came back in. Thankfully, I'd played with Murdo McLeod and he was Vin Janssen's assistant. Um, and so Murdo had obviously put a good word in. So I was Vin's first signing. And um, I was just, it, was, it was just great. Um, loved, I mean, uh, my first trip. <laughs> we, I signed on the Saturday and we, on the Sunday we went to Dublin to play in a tournament. And we get to the hotel and I'm rooming with Paolo Di Canio. And I'm on the phone, I'm, I'm speaking away on the phone. I'm rooming with Paolo Di Canio. <laughs> and he was having his problems with Fergus at the time. So I was actually trying to calm him down. He was coming in the room 
shouting and bawling in Italian that but great boy, an, an incredible professional. I mean, sitting press ups, sit ups all the time in the room, and I mean, incredible professional, um, and a wonderful talent as well. So, but unfortunately, Paolo left, but we got some, uh, we got probably someone else to replace him, and then obviously Henrik, and Finn brought Henrik in, and um, again, again, a wonderful dressing room, an incredible dressing room um, from players all over the uh, all over the globe, and um, I just uh, I loved uh, I loved that as well. And obviously, I, I had to the September I had my my brain operation, so I was out a little while and never really got back in. Um, that's probably the the disappointments probably not, but it was a disappointment that I was in the team. And then I had to go out and then Harold was in and um, Henrik was never going to be displaced. Um, but it was just brilliant. Brilliant, as I say, brilliant dressing room, brilliant boys. Again, I keep in touch with an awful lot of them. Um, and um, it, was a, it was obviously a good season for them to be there. It was to try and stop Rangers winning 10, 10 in a row. And it was a, ma- a massive pressure. I mean, they lost the first two games. I mean, Finn was almost out the door before he had even unpacked his bags. Um, but I think it helped that he wasn't caught up in it. He didn't, he really obviously did because people inside obviously told him how important it was, but he wasn't really caught up in it. So he could kind of take himself away from it and his thoughts and all that. And, um, and, and he handled it. Now, people ask me, do you think he should have played more? <clears throat> Everyone thinks he should play more. Uh, ask any player to think they should play more. Yes, do I think I should have given a, a few more chances? Yes, I do. But at the end of the day, Vim was there to win a league and he picked a team that he thought... Vim had it in his mind. If those 11 players were fit, they played. Whatever. doesn't matter how they were playing, they played. And I've been in management. That was his way. Um, whether I agree with it or not, that was his way. And the one thing that he did, he won the league and that's all they wanted. So I can say, yes, I should have played more. But you can only criticise if he doesn't have success and he had success. So um, and that was the main thing was winning the league. It wasn't, about, it wasn't about me or it wasn't about the other players. It was about winning the league. It was about winning the league and he manages to do that. And I know you've talked about this a lot. So if you don't want to dwell on it again and talk about it, that's OK. But in terms of your illness and going through the brain operation. Just how difficult was that? How scary was that in terms of thinking that could be your career over? And and, and obviously in terms of life as well, it was it was a really a really scary situation. It was well, it was obviously I woke up and I woke up, I don't mind speaking about it at all. I mean, God almighty um, I got looked after I couldn't I couldn't have got any any better treatment from any other club in the world. And I did at Celtic, and um, I just woke up at Seamill. They were playing to roll in the UEFA Cup, and I just said, "Ah, your sore head." And so I went to Brian Scott, and he threw me a couple of paracetamols. He said, "Take them, you'll be fine." And so I went, to, I went back to bed, and I woke up. Vim named the team I was actually playing, and we were going up in the bus, and I was like, "Seeing the boys, I don't feel right. My head's just no." And they actually, deep down. They thought I was bottling it. <laughs> they didn't think I was handling the pressure of going and playing in a big European game at Celtic Park. 
And so they told me that after it, and that's, I can get that, do you know what I mean? I understand. And so I went down the front of the, I said, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't feel right. So they phoned ahead, they phoned ahead to Jack Mulhern, the club doctor, and said, he's got a problem. But before Europe, you can't take tablets or anything. You can't, because of the drugs and all that, the, the, um, you get tested, you can't really take anything. So I went and Jack had a look at me and just thought, and they actually went in the treatment room, put lights out, and I just lay down there. And Vim came in and said, listen, I'm going to have to name the team. Can you play? And just said, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. And he just said, okay, then no bother. And as I said, in the dressing room, we were all like that, he's bottled it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the next day, they just, they, I went home, they just said, listen, phone us in the morning, see how you are. But unknown to me, they had booked a scan um, for me at Ross Hall. Ross Hall had actually been invited to the game that night as guests. So they told them, and so they booked a scan, just in case. And I woke up and I said, I don't feel great. So I went, I went to the hospital, had a scan, and they actually said, um, that's it, you're, you're, you're not playing again. So I was obviously distraught, I was distraught, but he said, we need to go and take a second opinion on this because it was something that they, so the doctors, they had to go back, I had to go back in the afternoon, so um, I was with my, girlfriend at the time and went back and they just said look we've taken a second opinion this is what we think can happen you'll get the operation it's a, they drill a hole in your head laser the, doc, the, the, the doctor is telling me pioneered it so I'm quite confident and they, they, they laser another, another passageway um, just for the water to flow properly hydrocephalus it's water in the brain it kind of builds up and their pressure and all that. So that's what they were going to do. It's two small valves. One wasn't open properly. So that's how the water was blocked. And um, so one Tuesday, I woke up with a headache before a game. The following Tuesday, I was in getting a brain operation. And, um, and as I say, yes, it's scary. Obviously, my good pal Jackie McNamara has just gone through. It's actually the same thing. Mine's was water, his was blood. Um, so Jackie's going to, and it is scary because it's in the brain. Mine's wasn't, I don't think was as, it wasn't as bad as Jackie's, but it's still in the brain. So you still worry about it. But when I look back, I was out nine weeks and I was back playing again. So that's how well I was looking. I mean, the, the club were brilliant. Jack Mulhern, who was a club doctor, who actually has had the same thing, hydrocephalus. Um, Jock Brown was brilliant. Um, Brian Scott was unbelievable um, the physio and um, Dr Philip Marlow the surgeon was just out of this world so I couldn't thank them and I actually presented them with them all with a bottle of champagne and asked them to open it when I scored my first goal and that's when up in Aberdeen when I scored my first goal and I jumped into the, jumped into the crowd um, so they were great they were brilliant so as I say and I can remember my first trainer, I always training away, nine weeks training away. And I used to say to Brian Scott, let me play, let me join in. No, you're not ready. Come on, let me join in. So this day he had said to Vim, can you join in? And uh, Vim said, yeah, no bother. So I went on and this is, this is the honest truth. Jackie went down the line and crossed one over and I headed it in. 
I just I just went on the and I just I headed it in and everybody just stopped and kind of looked because it was my brain up and I've headed the ball. They've kind of stopped and looked. That was fine. There's nothing in there to be dislodged. Everything was. <laughs> I think they were or either that or they were surprised I scored the header. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tremendous! You you just took this there, Darren, about your your brain operation coming back. Your teammates looking as if, oh no, is he all right? Heading that ball. I mean, after that, what was it like being back involved in football? Because what a, what a start when you came back. <clears throat> it was it was a start. Um, actually, my first my first game back was Rangers at home. Um, I was I was a sub, and I think it was um, Rangers went one 0 up. I think it was Negri, and um, that was when Stubbsy scored in the last the last minute. And then, can you remember that? Yeah. Yes. Well, I don't know if you've watched watched the the goal, but. If you watch it again, you'll see me running into the back of the net, trying to get the ball, and I get my feet caught in the net and I collapse. <laughs> it, was, it was on um, Gillette, it was on Soccer Saturday, um, the the program in the morning. Um, so it was this, it was one of the funnies. So I get my feet caught in the net, and, but it was a it was a great it was a great game to come back to. God, I might the atmosphere. Um, I would I would say the atmosphere that. Half time, the walk on at half time, and I went to. I've obviously, I've been to a few games, and listen, every time, single time the song walk on was amazing. But I just I particularly remember that one, and when they beat Barcelona two one that night, the walk on was just absolutely, as people say, hairs in the back of the neck stuff. So it was, um, it was a good game to come back to, and so I was back in the swing. Listen. I always say I could have been out longer with a hamstring injury. I was out nine weeks. It was it was it was important. I had to be right because obviously it was a brain operation. Um, but as I said before, um, the people the people that were, were were great: Brian Scott, Jack Mohern, Jock Brown, and um, Dr. Philip Barlow. I'll say it again: they were just amazing with me. I was under no pressure by Celtic to play again. They would have honoured my contract. They would have looked after me. I was told that, and um, but I'd waited all my football and life to get to one of the biggest clubs in the world, and um, I was there, and I was, there was no chance I was giving it up. One of the things that people forget about you, Darren, is the the Champions League was revamped, as we know. It, the old European Cup, Celtic won the European Cup, first British team to do it. But when the Champions League was revamped, you're the first person to score for Celtic in the the newly revamped Champions League format. Someone had mentioned that to me. To be truthful, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if I was. So, by the way, it's great. It is. It is good to for that to happen. Um, unfortunately, we didn't go through in the tie, which is obviously the biggest disappointment. That was probably my biggest goal. I didn't score a lot. That was my biggest goal for Celtic, and it was it was an incredible night. But we kind of let ourselves down. Kind of let ourselves down in the replay. They were they were a wonderful. They were a great side. A fantastic side. Prozanecki was just mind blown. Um, breathtaking player. So, but as I said, it was great for me. Just it was great for me to be back and um, obviously getting on the bench for the Rangers game, and that was that was me back in. In terms of your your spell at Celtic and through the brain operation, coming back, getting back in, 
how do you reflect on it over the piece? Because as you've talked about, stopping the 10 in a row was, 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 was the main thing and the biggest success you could ever have, really. Yeah, um, I look upon it, listen, I, I, get, I get asked, people ask, I'll ask you, have you, did you, do you think you had a good career? And it's quite a simple, quite a simple answer that I played for one of the biggest clubs in the world. And that's fact, even though it's in the Scottish League, they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. And I played at World Cup. So it's probably every little boy's dream to play for one of the biggest clubs in the world and play at the World Cup. So I've had no bad career. So, um, but my time at Celtic was great. Vim say it was Vim's first signing. Unfortunately, I went out injured. They brought Harold in and Vim was very much, if my 11 are fit, my 11 play. When I was going on in games, I felt I was doing enough to get a chance the next game. But and the last two games, I wasn't stripped, which I was really upset about. The, the last game, I wasn't because I knew it was going to happen. The second last game, I was upset that I, I wasn't stripped. But at the end of the day, Vim was under so much pressure to stop the 10 in a row, and he did it. So I can't sit here and say, oh, he was wrong because he didn't play me. He played the team that won the league, so he did what was right for Celtic. Yes, all players, the, the boys that were left out that didn't play, we probably all have an argument and saying, well, I played well in that game, I deserved a chance here and there. But a manager's, I've been in management, a manager's there to pick a team to win games. And that, that year it was to win the league, to stop Rangers winning 10, and he did it. So um, he, was, he was right in what he did. From Celtic, you had a loan spell with Coventry, but you then move on permanently to Hearts. Now, being a former Hibernian player, what was that like? I, I stopped you there, you forgot. I went on loan to Coventry, and then I went to China for eight days. I, didn't, I actually didn't know that. I actually <laughs> didn't know you were away to China. Tell us about China. I had, I had, a, I had a contract over in Dali and Wanda. Um, and I just thought, I'll try it. Yes, I was at Coventry and I just went and they see Gordon, I cut the, I said, I've got a chance here, a contract here, a good contract over in China. And, and he just said, look, no bother. Brilliant with Gordon. Coventry was just absolutely unbelievable. I, I, I didn't play a lot, but the two months with Gordon was just, it was, it was up there with the best in my career. It was just brilliant. And I would have loved to have had a lot longer playing under Gordon. Um, and it was magic. So... Um, I got the chance to Dali and Wanda, so I flew out to um, Shanghai and Beijing. We were tra- um, um, training camps in Shanghai and Beijing, and I was rooming with the boy Glenn Helder that used to play for Arsenal, uh-huh. left winger, and he was lively. I mean, in the room and all that, I mean, he was lively. I'm quite, I, I like a laugh and joke in the dressing room, and that. he was really lively, and he actually kept me there for eight days. Um, and the food was quite raw, the chicken and all that. And I was, str- I was really struggling. Um, and I, I, but I got like every single bit of clothing I had, I sent over to Dalian. Um, my girlfriend at the time packed her job in. Um, and just, she was my ex-wife as well. So <laughs> she um, packed, packed her job in. And as the days went on, I can't handle this. There's no chance. I was there just to have a look. I hadn't signed a contract. I was there to have a look. And um, after eight days, I just said, I can't do it. Can't. I phoned home and I said, I'm coming home. Can't do it. What do you mean? I packed my job. I said, well, you need to try and get back. 
<laughs> I can't do it. So I just went to the coach and I said, it's not for me. They were brand new. And so I had to fly into Hong Kong and it was the first day the new airport was open in Hong Kong. Brand new airport. It was just, it was spectacular. So I goes up. I was, I was starving. I needed something to eat because you couldn't go out walking in the streets or anything. I just wanted a packet of crisps or a Mars bar or something to eat. And so I went up to, to the Bureau to change to get some money. And so I goes up and I just say to him, can I change some money? And the boy went, Darren Jackson. <laughs> and, I, and he says, me Celtic supporter. I, I, I was at university in Glasgow. <laughs> I said, well, give me a good rate, mate. <laughs> and so um, I got my phone and then just came home and I went back into Celtic. And then fortunately, Harps came in. Um, and it was just, it was a strange one because it was beginning to come in then that players were always asked, do you want to play in the reserves? Where when I was growing up, you were told you play in the reserves. And Eric, probably out of, I don't know, just respect, just, listen, he knows, he knew that I was down, I wasn't involved and uh, I was going to have to move on and all that. And he just says, listen, do you want to play? It was against Harps. And I just said, no. I said, I'm not, I'm not up for it. And then I actually sat back and thought, what are you doing? You're not playing the first team, you've got to play in the reserves. You've got to keep yourself fit just in case you got a chance. And I actually played really well that day. I didn't know me hearts were watching that day. And I got one phone call and it was Jim Jeffries. And Ollie phoned and says, hi, Dan, it's Jim. I said, oh, hi, Jim. Can you handle it? Well, I obviously played for Hibs. And I went, yeah, no bother. Okay, they'll be in touch. That was it. That was a call. And then a couple of days later, I signed for Hearts. And to be truthful, I loved it. I wouldn't say I loved it any more than it, but I really, really enjoyed my time at Hearts. It was brilliant. It was um, Jim and Billy were just brilliant to work for. Just showed me total respect as being an experienced, an experienced player and being it obviously the club being playing international and all that, and they just showed me total respect and they were bottom of the league. And obviously a lot of Hearts fans didn't like me. <laughs> Probably all of them didn't like me, but when I went, the best thing that happened was when I went in there, they were actually bottom of the league. So if they had turned on me, it wouldn't have helped the team. But fortunate for me, I started really well. And Gary McSwiggan was there and he hadn't scored a goal until the first game I played, and he scored two. Colin Cameron came back. They signed Kevin James. Everyone was, the jigsaw was just kind of put together. And I played nine games from then to the end of the season, and we lost one against Celtic. And then the following season, we qualified for Europe. So it was a, it was a real, real good time for me. A real good time for me at Hearts. So, um, as I say, Jim and Billy were just magic. Brilliant. Was there any apprehension at all because you'd played for Hibs or was it just a case of football that makes sense, I'm going? Yeah. It was just... I had no, no pro. I knew I would get stick. Do you know what I mean? I knew Hibs fans kind of... That. People ask me when they're playing, Hibs and Hearts are playing. I can honestly say I, I loved both clubs, playing for both clubs. Two great clubs. And I don't sit on the fence. I can only be truthful in saying I loved them both. I, I love playing for them both. I don't, I don't, I don't favour one or the other and it's um, as I say great clubs brilliant clubs to play for 
And so, um, so no, I didn't have any apprehension. I just thought, yeah, I'm signing because it was a big club. It was a big club, and I just wanted to carry on. I mentioned earlier on in the interview when we talked about Hibs that I'd save the Derby part for this when we talk about Hearts. Now, see having played in the Derby for both clubs, describe that experience from both sides. Uh, it's, well, I've, there's a few people done it, but I, I mean, I've, I've scored for both in Derbys, captain both, and obviously played for both, captain both and scored for both. So it's, it's, it is quite unique and it's... I took my, heart, I took my strip off when I scored for Hearts and it was probably just because even when I went back to Celtic I thought I gave Hibs everything for as I said I was poor the second year but everything for quite five years um, and I got a bit stick when I went back to Celtic which is fine but a lot, some of it I just I, I didn't like and uh, I probably overreacted by taking my strip off it, was, it wasn't meant in any but I was just obviously delighted I scored in a derby and, and Scoring for Hibs against Hearts was great as well because obviously Hearts had that long run um, of undefeated against uh, against Hibs, so it was great to get. It's always listen. It's always good to score in big games, and unfortunately, I never, I never scored in an old an old firm an old firm game. I scored in a reserve old firm game, <laughs> but not not in the big one. I scored in the Dundee Derby, and so it's always it's always nice to score in big games. In terms of your time at Hearts, you mentioned Jim and Billy, the fact they were really good. What's Jim Jeffries like to work with on a daily basis? Because he seems like somebody that's not scared to give the hairdryer if he has to. By the way, you were scared of Jim. Um, I can remember one, one game. Um, and I always, I always have a real good crack with Billy about this. Um, that They came in at half-time, we were playing Celtic, and Billy wasn't happy with me. And he went mental. And I wasn't really happy at what he was saying. So I stood up and I had to go back at Billy. And the next minute, Jim just stepped in and I wouldn't like a slap off Jim. I wouldn't like a slap off Billy, <laughs> but I wouldn't like a slap off Jim. So I just sat down. <laughs> said, okay, right. um, but I swear to God, they're a great team. The, the two of them worked incredibly well together. Um, yes, people think he's a doer. But he was, he, he, was, he was just magic to work with. He was, uh, could he manage now? Of course he could manage now, but he would need to, because boys, I don't think boys can take the hairdryer treatment now. I don't, I don't think, there's, there's some can take it, but there's a lot of boys that can't, couldn't take um, how strong and um, how kind of ferocious he was at times, telling you he wasn't happy with you. But he knew. I, I just took it well. He's telling you, so you better take it on board. But honestly, they were they were brilliant to work for. In terms of the big characters in that dressing room at the time, who were they? Well, Stevie Fulton. Um, Fulton was some boy, and and by the way, what a player! Absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. There's no doubt he should have done better in his career. He just got labelled with that bad geo and. Um, but what a talent. But there was Colin Cameron, um, as I say, Kevin James or Stephen Presley. So we had a good, we had a good dressing room, we had a really good dressing room. Um, and you need, you need, for the run we went on, confidence brings a good dressing room as well. Because if, you, if, you're, if you're losing games a lot, um, your dressing room, you can't come in and laugh and joke and have fun and all that when you're bottom of the league. So 
um, confidence and results can can obviously help a dressing room. In terms of your time at Hearts, the first full season you had there, you were scoring goals, you were confident, but there was a bit of a contract dispute. It was something along the lines, I think, if you'd played a certain number of games, you get an automatic extension. What's it like being involved in a situation like that as a player? Because it must be frustrating. It was horrible. It was, yes, if I did my contract, that if I played 15 games, I would get a new deal, and I played 14. And my last match, really, my last game was the 6-2 defeat against Hibs at Easter Road. And then Jim pulled me in and just said, listen, they're not going to play you again. I can't play you again. And Jim, listen, Jim was brilliant. Jim was, Jim was gutted. Um, and so it was disappointing. And then Jim left and Craig came in and Craig right away just says, Dan, I'll know, you'll not play for me. Um, I'd gone in and changed my contract so I could play because I wanted to play. Uh-huh. Um, and he said, you'll not play for me, so... Did he give you an explanation? No, he just, listen, no, he doesn't have to. He just, I wasn't, maybe I was, I was probably too old. He maybe thought I'd, my legs had gone, which is, was no bother. Um, and so he just said, get your agent to go and get your club, that I'll not muck you about. And, and then the next day, I kind of went in and um, I was training with the kids and all that. So it was, it was hard, but listen, I speak to Craig now, there's, there's, no, there's no an issue. Because, as I've said before, I've been in management now and you know how hard it is. You might not fancy a player, but that's football. I mean, all managers don't fancy the same players. Um, you all have different ideas. Craig had a different idea. And as I say, he probably thought my legs had gone, which he might have had a, he might have had a point. Um, but I fortunately got a loan move to Livingston. And that ended up brilliant. We ended up winning the league. I felt I did really, really well there. Um, Big Jim. Leash and uh, Davey Hay were great. They were they were they were brilliant. But, um, and I was probably a little bit disappointed that when we got promotion, that I didn't get another year. Um, but again, it was uh, we had a right good dressing room as well. And as I say, you're good dressing room because you're top of the league. You're going for the league, and so it was nice to play a part. And and I lived in Livingston for twenty one years, so. It was good to be part of that and, um, and as I say, winning the league. You mentioned the fact you're part of a league winning team. You know the area, you're flying. What's Jim Leishman like? Because, again, these sort of managers, Jeffries, Leishman, you don't really get them anymore because, as you say, football, you could argue, has moved on in a sense that we talked about earlier. Players can't handle that hairdryer anymore. Yeah, well, Jim wasn't really... Uh, Davey was... Like, Davey just had to look at you and you were terrified. Do you know what I mean? David A was a great man, brilliant. And so was Leash. Um, Leash was more, Leash can talk. You know what I mean? So he comes up with the right thing at the right time and all that. And David was, David was very good. David was very hard. But David's a, pardon me, a quiet talker. And, um, but again, they worked, they, they worked well together. And they're, 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 they're a good team. We're a good team. And so, um, and we went on to win the league. So, and as I say, Probably a little bit disappointed that I didn't didn't get another go in the following season, but that's that's just the way it goes. Absolutely, you mentioned that's the way it goes. Being part of a, a league winning team as well must have been a, a great experience. And you, you said at the start of the interview that towards the end of your career, St Johnston, Clyde Bank, you, you mentioned the fact that you yourself would admit you weren't at your best with those clubs, but you still had that desire to keep on playing 
ultimately, when you join St Johnston, at that stage, are you starting to think longer term about coaching and getting into that side of the game? Well, to be truthful, um, as I said, I probably was a bit disappointed that I didn't get a contract at Livingston, which was fine. But when the season did start, I kind of knew that I was kind, I was, I was struggling with my legs. I, 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 after my brain operation, obviously you got a lumbar puncture, and my back was never, my back was never really the same, and it all it caused me problems, and and so, um, but. A year before it, I knew I was going to be an agent. So going into my last year, I knew a year down the line, I was going to be become a football agent. So I, 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 I had it all kind of planned out. But as I say, um, and it wasn't through not trying. My, my legs had probably just given up a little bit. Um, and that's how I was probably disappointed for, for St. Johnston and Clybank. Towards the end of your career, when it came to retiring, was that something that you had accepted or was it something that was a really difficult decision to make in the end? I've still not accepted it. <laughs> it, was, it was the hardest thing ever. I, I can tell you it was, it was because I was, I was an agent for the biggest company in Britain, but I worked up in Scotland myself and I just worked from the house. So you were maybe getting up some days and you were really having to get changed because you were just going into the office and just phones, phones. It's an agent's a lot on the phone and all that. So no going out and no going into a dressing room and no seeing your teammates and no kicking a ball about what you've done your whole life. And I did, I found it, I found it very, very hard. You mentioned the fact you, you find it really hard at first. You went down the football agency side. What attracted you to that? Was it the fact that your extensive career in the game gave you an opportunity to to help players out, knowing what they're going through? It probably, it probably was, yes. And I really enjoyed, um, I enjoyed speaking to young kids and looking after kids when, when I was a player and just giving them advice. Um, going in and sitting, chatting to them about football and all that and maybe giving them my boots or something, just because I think it was important. Um, like a, I saw an interview with Jamie Redknapp and John Barnes this morning and he was talking about having pictures of John Barnes on his wall and it was his hero. And the next minute, he was in the same dressing room as him. And, and how, the way John Barnes looked after him and, and treated him. And, um, and, and I, I was kind of the same. So that's when I went in to be an agent. It was kind of, well, I, I've been, I've probably done everything that you would want to do as a football player. Um, so it was just a, it was an attractive offer, and I just thought, yeah, I, I fancy this. And and I would never say I had ten years, ten years at it, and I would never ever say I regretted it because I didn't because I met a lot of good people and all that. But I should have I should have gone into the coaching side of it. I, mean, I wish I, I wish Donald Park always said to me, um, Donald was brilliant coach, magic, loved working with Donald. And he always said, you should be in football, you should be in coaching. And that's probably, I don't have many regrets, um, and, but possibly that's a, that's a little one. In terms of coaching, you've obviously been at Dundee United alongside Jackie McNamara. You also were at Wraith Rovers, also at St Mirren. How do you reflect on your coaching career so far and, and, and how much do you enjoy being on the grass on a daily basis? 
I've been sacked three times, so it's not really gone that well, is it? <laughs> um, no, I enjoy. I, I loved it. I loved being on the grass. Um, I was probably one who I liked working with the forward. I was the one who worked with the forward players. Really, really enjoyed it. Then United, obviously, with a, a, a fantastic spell um, with, the, with the players that we had there. It obviously moved on. And uh, it was brilliant with Jackie Simon and um, Pinchy. Brilliant there. And then moving on, I, I enjoyed it at Wraith. I mean, we were second in the league at one point. We beat Falkirk at Fal- 4-2 at Falkirk. Houston had never lost four goals. And then we went 12 games and never won a game. <laughs> it was just you think to yourself, how can how can that happen? And and then we got on really well with the chief exec and the chairman. And and you, you sit back and you say to yourself, well, how long did they leave it? And I've spoken to Lockie about this, and we kind of accepted how long do you, how long do you leave? Oh, we'll give them another game. Oh no, we'll give them another game. It just it wasn't going our way. So you accept it. And then St. Martin was very short, but brilliant working with Stubbsy and Chipper. Two absolutely fantastic coaches. Brilliant coaches, um, but it was short. So, listen, I, I loved being on the training pitch. I loved putting up a pair of boots on um, and going out and uh, on the training pitch and trying to um, help players and give them advice and make them try and make them better. Um, so, that was enjoyable. I spoke to and interviewed Alan Stubbs recently, <clears throat> pardon me, and, and Alan said that at St Mirren, I said from the outside looking in, I was excited. You're coming in, Darren's coming in, St Mirren. It just seemed like a really nice fit the way Alan likes to play football. It didn't work, as we know, for, for whatever reason. But he was talking about the behind the scenes and the expectations, saying we're going to be a top four, top six club. Obviously not Alan saying that. Is that something that was frustrating on the coaching side as well? Because you're thinking, it's easy for you to say that, but that's just what we've got to work with on a daily basis. Yeah, it is. But that's football. Expectation now again from boards are sometimes are unrealistic but you just you, listen as I say you could turn around and say oh it didn't go this didn't was right that club that wasn't right this club and all that you just it happens so you just you just move on and to other things and again no regrets you can stop saying chipper can definitely hold their head up and uh, brilliant brilliant coaches in terms of yourself now, are you, is the coaching side something you would consider again in the future or have you moved on from that now? Well, I've, I've got my own uh, chauffeur drive company, um, which I had one about 12 years ago with my sister and brother-in-law and then the recession kicked in and, and when I left St. Martin, what am I going to do? I kind of fell out of love with it for probably about a year, which, and then it came back. God, I might, it'll always be in me, but I did... Um, I did fall out of love with it. So I started up that and I, I caught a scout for Blackpool, which is brilliant. This is, it's great. Um, um, obviously what's happened with COVID, that we've got a chance to look at videos of players and every day and I'm kind of full time just now watching, watching games and doing reports and all that. So that's, that's the, the chauffeur drive company's off the road just now. That's, there's nothing happening. Um, so this, is, this has been brilliant. Would I go back in? I don't know if I'll ever get back in, but it's always in you. But it would obviously need to be right because of with my business and I'm, I'm loving working for Blackpool with Tommy Johnston again um, and the chief exec, Ben Mansford, who I was an agent with. Um, he was with the same company, so I know the aim and the manager's been brilliant. Neil's been great and the whole staff's been brilliant with me. So I'm um, really enjoying that. 
Brilliant. And we've got to obviously talk about your extensive international career. Playing for Scotland once is something that many young boys, myself, would have loved to have done. You played 28 times for Scotland. Just describe the feeling of playing for your country. Um, well, it took me till I was 28 to get my first cap. And I'd never, I had one B cap. I'd never represented Scotland at any level. No youth level or nothing. I got a B cap against Northern Ireland. And actually, <laughs> people give me stick about this because I probably scored the best goal in my career that night. And the cameras went there. It was about a 40-yarder, a diagonal right into the top corner. Chested it and volleyed it right into the top corner. It was, it was incredible. I mean, and people say, ah, you can see that because the cameras weren't there. Go and ask Kate Brown because he was a manager. It was, and so I only had that. And then I made my debut in Russia um, in the European Championships. And it was just working for Craig and Alec. They were just, again, a partnership. They were just brilliant. I mean, Alec's quiet. Um, but tactically, and the knowledge of the game was, was fantastic, and so was Craig's. Craig's just, but Craig had, to, I, can, I can remember, I spoke to him about this. We played Belarus. I played in, uh, this was 1997, I played in the playoffs with Hibs against Airdrie to, to stay up. And thankfully, we beat Airdrie and we stayed up. And then we, on, I think it was the 8th of June, we went to Belarus in a, in a, in a qualifier. Uh, World Cup qualifier, and we were horrendous the first half. The pitch was poor, uh, and I remember walking out for the second half. And this is where great managers and people think, well, there's not really nothing. But it was just at the time we knew we were tired. It was the eighth of June. I had a, a long season. We were all all tired, and we were just walking out. And Craig said, "Boys, just give me forty-five minutes." He said, "Forty-five minutes will take you the World Cup." We went out. I got brought down for a penalty. Gary scored, and it was just brilliant. And it just gave it just gave you that wee no knot in your stomach, just that excitement, and it just gave you that buzz. And it was just that just that little saying, "45 minutes will take you a World Cup," and and the ball, it just lifted, it did lift, lift us, and we got we got the result. And but it was it was great. Euro '96 was was amazing. I never kicked a ball. I never got on, but I, I, like and people think it's probably mad you saying this. And it was probably because it was, well, it was definitely it was because it was in England. I enjoyed Euro 96 more than I enjoyed, enjoyed France 98. And obviously I started the game against Brazil. But it was because you're in France, the television's on, you're not understanding what's, what's going on and all that. In England, you got the buzz. Even though I knew I wasn't playing, you, you were watching the television, you got the buzz. And, and there's one thing, every, every squad I was in with Scotland was... Boys were absolutely fantastic. And I say that I played in 13 qualifying games for Euro 96 in France 98, and I lost one, Sweden away. Um, so one defeat in 13 wasn't, wasn't bad. And again, I'm not very sure if it was the, the Euro 96 or France 98. In the qualifiers, we lost three goals because the, the defence was just... I mean, that's, that's the way we played. He defended from the front. Everybody had to do their shift. It was very unlikely. Listen, probably, probably maybe because I was having a, having a bad game, but I never ever lasted 90. I don't think I ever lasted 90 minutes because Craig wanted his strikers to defend from the front and you had to work your socks off and you weren't expected to last the game. So 
but it was just an amazing experience. Thinking you're 28, maybe not really going to happen for you. Um, and it did. And I thankfully got 28 caps and went to a Euro, European Championships and played that World Cup. You mentioned the fact you played that World Cup. As you mentioned it, when you talked about when people ask you about your career, something that not a lot of Scottish players have got to do, you consider 22 years since the last, we last done it. Describe what it's like going into a World Cup campaign proper because the game against France, I interviewed Greg Brown and he was talking about the kilts and the build-up and he said, I wasn't daunted going into play Brazil, I just tried to keep a lid on it. Did you sense that as well? Oh, that's what he was great at, I just said that's what he was great at. Um, I mean, I think the famous saying is, Craig say, guys, I've just seen them, they're shitting themselves. <laughs> but it, like, we, 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 all, we all was like, yeah, but he just had that saying and you maybe thought, right, okay, then we'll, and it was just to, listen, you turned up at the stadium and, and I understand what Craig's saying and I don't think he's, I don't think he, he, he's trying to have you on there because I wasn't nervous playing against Brazil. I mean, playing in a, in a playing in an old film game, you're you're you are ner- you're really nervous. Playing in a derby, an Edinburgh derby, you're nervous. But I've got to say, going into that game, I was I actually wasn't nervous. And then you you come out the, I mean, everything was kind of summed up. My my whole footballing career was summed up when we walked out of the dressing rooms and we walked into the tunnel. And I was always I was always last out and. I was standing beside Ronaldo and I just looked and I thought, God almighty, I started at Meadow Bank <laughs> and I'm standing beside Ronaldo and not in the game they were all called. I just, it was, it was actually really emotional. It was, it was just, a, a, just that wee, like for 30 seconds I stood there and I thought, wow, God almighty, this is, this is real. And it was, it was just, it's every boy's dream. I mean, people say I dream of playing for my country. I dream of dreamy playing at a World Cup and all that. I started with Meadow Bank. Never, ever, never, ever thought it would happen. But if you have enough commitment and desire and work hard enough, it can. I always, every time I speak to someone from from your World Cup team, I always ask about one man, just 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 on the football side, but also just off the pitch, Craig Burley. Craig Brown told, tells the story that he asked him to play wing back and he said all he did was moan. I want to play midfield, I want to play midfield. And Craig tells the story of I said to him, I've got McAllister, I've got Lambert. If you want to play midfield, you'll not play. What was he like as a, as a person? Because what a character. I mean, brilliant. What a player. What a player for Celtic. And I, I honestly don't think, when people talk about midfield players for Celtic, people will mention Butler. But I don't think enough people mention him because he was absolutely, Craig had everything. He could box to box, he could score goals, he could defend, he could play on centre half, he could tackle, he could definitely pass. He had everything. And I actually don't think people realise what a top player he was. And, and yes, Craig asked him to play him because he had an engine, a incredible engine up and down that pitch. He had great quality into the box. He was a good passer. Craig always thought he could maybe get into the other side and get any goals because that's what he could do. Um, but some boy, absolutely nuts. Brilliant. I mean, great teammate. He's obviously in America now. Text him every now and then. Um, 
he was a brilliant teammate and, and as I say, very, very, I think, underrated. Underrated player, absolutely. And the next guy I'm going to mention is not underrated at all. Top, top player, John Collins. Just sum up how good it was to play with him because people forget he played, obviously, in France as well. Just what a player. Nah, what a player Johnny was. Johnny was one who never gave the ball away. I could always, always get your goal. Always brave enough to take the ball. Um, obviously, Johnny's size. He obviously wasn't going to be the biggest, but, I mean... <laughs> Everybody knows his physique. He liked to show off, um, but ripped and just deserved everything he got in his career um, because he, he worked so hard and he was so dedicated to to achieve his, his goal and he probably achieved all his goals. But I'll always give him stick about he's never won a league with Celtic. <laughs> he doesn't like that one. <laughs> in terms of that 98 group, I know in recent years you've all met up again to do dinners and things like that. Is that, see the camaraderie that that group had and Craig had, is that one of the best moments of your career? Obviously, aside from the fact it was a World Cup, just that dressing room and that camaraderie from the coaching staff and the players. Well, I said, apart from the last year, and it was good dressing rooms at St Johnston and Clyde Bank, I just wasn't enjoying it myself. Um, but I was I was lucky enough to be in every one of the other clubs I was at was fantastic dressing rooms and even Scotland right through like I played for three years every every squad was brilliant everybody got on and that was uh, it's down to the manager as well it's down to the manager to make that to, to make that atmosphere and the staff and I actually played a big part when they had a reunion for the the, the 98 squad it was me that got everybody together and like Hugh Allen, Doc, John McLean, Eric Ferguson, they came up and they were like cuddling. They could not thank me enough for getting them involved, but they played a massive part. It was everybody. Yes, the players are the main thing, but it's, it's, it was everybody in that squad. And Craig knew that, that Hugh and the Doc and Doc Hillis, who sadly passed away, and um, as I say, uh, Omar, um, were just they were just um, they were amazing they were amazing people and they just were great to work for brilliant to work for i want to finish darren with around the quick fire questions first one being best you've played with gascoigne best direct opponent gascoigne <laughs> most underrated player you played with most underrated player god almighty mm, that's a hard one i've, I've just said it I don't think Craig Burley gets the credit he deserves. Best manager for you and why? I, I, I'd, be, I'd be totally disrespectful to pick one out of the, all the managers I had because they were all brilliant at their own thing. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pick one out because I've got them all to thank, for, thank them for, for my career. Um, so I wouldn't be disrespectful and, and pick one. I would just say all of them they were great. Brilliant, great answer. Favourite ground to play football at? Celtic Park is special on Europe. Any games, but European nights are mind-blowing. Was there a ground you particularly didn't like? It was just a bogey ground for whatever reason? Well, you, you could probably say Airdrie's before they moved. Um, probably say the Airdrie's before they moved, but because it was hard 
yeah, like McDonald knew if it was if it was a horrible November freezing cold night, the balls were your warm up balls were sitting in the, in water, so they were so heavy for you to go and warm up. Or if it was a if it was a sun, sunny night, the heat would be on and it would be absolutely toasting in the dressing room. So um, just mind games. Um, so I didn't have a bad record against Airdrie. It just probably wasn't the ground that uh, you would, you love going to. Biggest character you played with and why? I've, got, I've probably got to say Gaza. Just, just a total character. Just a total, just a, a star. I mean, obviously, probably Celtic fans, lot of Celtic fans probably wouldn't say, but a genius, an absolute genius. And and when you say a genius, they, they probably have that flaw in their game and have that flaw in their character, not in their game and their character. Uh, when you look at all the, the, them over the, probably Messi probably doesn't have have that, but um, Ronaldo, but. Just when you look at the kind of Maradonas and even like a Cantona or that, you just have that little flaw, but that's what makes them. That's what makes them the, the players and superstars they are. And Gaza was just a superstar, and I have no doubt if Gaza got, got his injury um, against uh, Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup final, and I think he had a wee accident in Newcastle, he, he, he broke his kneecap in half. Um, he would have been close to being the best player in the world. I have no doubt about that because at, at Italia 90, he was the best player at the tournament. So that's against the best players in the world. So people will say, Gascoigne, not the best in the world, but he was the best player at Italia 90. And so all the best players go to World Cups. So, um, and I think he was, just, he was just a genius. He just loved playing football. And you, you always knew when the football stopped, it was going to be an issue. It was going to be a problem. Um, but Hartley Gold, everybody, I've never, people like to have a go on people, and sometimes it gives people <laughs> ammunition to have a go on. But everyone that's played with them, anyway, everyone that's managed them, will say, he's got the biggest heart in the world. He's just, just, just a daft boy, he just wants to play football, just loves playing football. But an amazing guy, great character, and, and when you look at these managers, like Willie McFall, when I was first went to Newcastle, was brilliant with them. Managed them. He was only 18. Absolutely brilliant with them. But I think Terry Venables, Walter Smith, and Sir Bobby Robson were, were probably his, da- his dads that really looked after him. And um, so, as I say, a genius. An absolute genius. I want to go on to non-football ones with you now. What are your favourite hobbies away from football? I like playing golf. I like playing golf with my, my, my son. Um, he's, he's not bad. I wish he'd played stuck in a wee bit more, but um, he's not bad. I like, I, like, um, I like playing golf. I like tennis. Um, no, now my, I've done, I'm getting a bit old now. My groins, the, golf, the golf's not too bad, but... Um, so, I enjoy that. Tea or coffee? Oh, definitely tea. But I've, only, I've started drinking latte probably in the last five, six years. So, um, I like I can't take a coffee. But I love, I, I love a latte. I like just obviously more milk in it. So, um, but a cup of tea in the mornings. Can it be a cup of tea in the morning? Beer or wine? Both. <laughs> 
<laughs> Beach holiday or city break? <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> Beach holiday or city break? I like them both. I love, I like, I love the sun. Um, I just need to go out. It's going to be sunny today, so I'll be out, outside sunbathing. Um, but I love, I love the beach. I love relaxing. But I've been Palma. Palma is a wonderful city to go to. Love it. So again, I actually couldn't, I couldn't choose. Really like them both. Favorite band? Um. Well, I've got to say Deacon Blue. I was obviously up in Dundee, and Ricky's from Dundee, and I got kind of friendly with uh, Ricky, and he, he came and sang at Paul Sturrock's testimonial, and David Bowman and I got friendly with him. I went to his, a couple of his concerts and all that, and, and I still I still see him now. He, he lives in Glasgow, and I still see him every now and then, but great band, absolutely brilliant band. Favourite film? Top Gun. Great choice. Where's, I'm interested to know this one. Kind of links to your family, I suppose. Where is where would you like to go in the world that you've not been to yet? Bora Bora. It's always been my dream. I mean, it's obviously a lot further away than Australia. It's I wouldn't be going for a winter break. I, I, sorry, a weekend. Um, so it's always a place. It's just paradise to me. So. That's the place I'd love to go is Bora Bora. And the last one, Darren, just to finish in football, what advice would you give to any young footballer who's listening to this podcast? Go out every day and work hard. It's all your attitude, desire. Um, and I saw it, and people think, people think it just happens. And I can, and I, and I can mention Andy Robertson. There's, there's, a, there's a whole load of, I think myself, started at Meadowbank and ended up playing at World Cup. Desire, because I, I wanted to be a footballer, I wanted to make it, but an Andy Robertson, who was let go by Celtic, and had that desire, from the day one at Dundee United, you saw it. Now, I'm not saying, I don't mean we thought he'd end up at Liverpool. We obviously didn't, didn't know that at the time. But his desire and commitment from day one, every single day in training. And I try to say to kids, and the other one is Billy Gilmore, star, wonderful. But his desire every day, I, I, trained, I coached him at Scotland under-19s. And just the, the, the simple things, a passing drill, just wanted to do it to the best of his ability. And that's why I think, and I can't say I know, but I would, there's a real good chance that Billy Gilmore will go all the way. Star and a great boy, wonderful attitude, two great characters, the two of them. And that's, that's, that's what's got them there. Yes, they've got ability, there's no doubt they've got ability, but their desire to, to make themselves better every single day. You don't go into training because you're a footballer. You go into training to make yourself better. You don't, it doesn't happen on a Saturday. You can't really make yourself better on a Saturday. It's Monday to Friday. And that's all I'll say, work hard Monday to Friday. There's great rewards now, but the reward is playing for a top club and playing for your country. Brilliant. Great answer, Darren. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song
dive down to the ocean And we'll make her home in a deep sea cave And her shells will all be open I'll be filled with song, I'll be filled with song